The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report is out now. Search ey.com slash ie slash CEO and discover the key topics on the minds of Ireland's leading CEOs. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week, my guest is Irish adman Stuart Fogarty, who has launched a new company called Admatic. In a nutshell, the business is seeking to disrupt the traditional Irish advertising market by allowing clients to book ads directly online with the big media companies. You'll hear Stuart explain the concept behind the new business and why it's gaining traction just five months in. But he also sounds a warning on the Irish economy based on the spending levels that he's now seeing coming through. Stuart also recounts his own story career in Irish advertising, which involved running two of the biggest ad businesses here and a brush with the law that involved a suspended jail sentence more than a decade ago. He's probably the closest thing to Don Draper from Mad Men that we have in the Irish market, and he's always worth listening to. Here we go. Stuart Fogarty, welcome to Inside Business. Now, you've got a new business called Admatic, which you say is going to uh, completely disrupt the way the advertising industry operates. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. How's it going to work? Well, basically, it's a, it's a big change and it's a uh, technology revolution which really hasn't applied to advertising yet. We all hear about kind of digital transformation in different businesses like the travel business, the insurance business, where people are buying direct online. And so that's what Admatic is. Admatic gives uh, clients the opportunity to go in and click and buy ads um, 24-7, 365. So if you want to think of it this way, at the moment... We can buy Twitter and we can buy LinkedIn and we can buy Facebook online and be live in 50 minutes. But I can't buy an owl ad in the Irish Times and I can't buy a radio spot on News Talk, whereas Atmatic allows you to go and do that. So it's what they call self-op, self-serve platforms. So it, it dis, dis, disrupts, I suppose, the ad business or the media business particularly. But now we do other things. We do all things advertising, but it disrupts the ad business insofar as it allows clients to go direct. And because it's open 24-7, allows them the flexibility to do that. So it's a new self-op platform. It, obviously, at the start, Kieran, as well, with media owners um, and with agencies causes a bit of controversy. So we're through that uh, five months in. So that's what, that's what Admatic is all about. A wholesale wholesale discount of media rates online, easy to buy, easy and easy, easy, cheap and better. He'd say, right? Okay, well, that's the plug out of the way. And um, so, the Irish Times on a Saturday, we would only have a skeleton news crew uh, involved. I I know that there's no advertising people um, working yeah. on a Saturday. So, if somebody wants to place an ad with the Irish Times on a Saturday via Admatic. How does that work? So basically, they go on to, the, they go on to admatic.ie, they select print, they select the Irish Times. There's a number of different sizes there, different prices. They click and buy. And so that alert goes back to us and we alert the Irish Times. So we know the people behind that and how to make that happen. Um, you can't basically book an ad on the same day. We've been asked to do that, but the Irish Times comes out in the morning. Um, so you're always booking about three days in advance is the normal uh, deadline for media owners. So in effect, you're buying three days in advance. So if you click and buy on a Friday morning for an ad on Monday in the Irish Times or anywhere else, no difficulty. If you click and buy on a Saturday morning for an ad on, on Monday or Tuesday, no difficulty either. So it it, it works with... In the background, there's a lot of software and a lot of kind of techie bits that allows that to happen. But in effect, it's replicating what has happened in travel and what has happened in insurance and what's happened in books and what's happened in music. People use, and in fact, 
Kieran, we've been through COVID. You've only had to listen to the doorbell to understand how how digital, how online shopping has yeah. transformed uh, everything, every industry. So it's now it's a it's a uh, disruptor in the advertising space. The first one. Okay, so in that example, uh, there's still a three day lead time, but it sounds good. So uh, okay, it's it's simpler perhaps in that you're, you're just going online. But presumably the, the key metric is price uh, and is your service much cheaper than, you know, previously booking through a, an advertising agency? Well, the, arguably, yes. I mean, it is. Uh, and the reason for that is, and again, if you, if, you, if you take the travel experience, we used to go to, I used to go to London a lot and going to Heathrow uh, was the price of a small car through a travel agent at the time who was supposedly working on 10%. Um, and when Airlingus.com uh, opened and Ryanair.ie opened, suddenly instead of being 500 quid to go to, to Heathrow, it was now 149 quid. So when you take out the middleman, and that's what the internet does. It takes out the middleman. When you take out the, inter- it, the middleman, you save that margin. Therefore, you can reduce prices. That's the whole principle. So the principle is by going direct, uh, you lose that middleman's margin. And, and because it's an automated platform, we take, a, we take a lower margin because we're about volume. What is your margin? 10%. And what would it, what would it typically be in an advertising agency or a media buying agency? Uh, in what they call... and, and it's probably a horrible expression. Traditional media, which is TV, press, radio and outdoor, could run as high as 30, 35%. And on digital, it could run to 50, 60%. So they're, they're quite big margins now, and especially now because the volume isn't there. So agencies need bigger margins and it's quite labour intensive. By automating and making it self-serve from the client point of view, you need less people. So you don't need that labour intensity that you might need uh, if you were a traditional agency. So you can do it cheaper uh, and provide it cheaper. And it's online, so you don't need offices of a swim square. You don't need flashy cars. You don't need creative directors. You don't need all of that stuff. So the overhead is considerably less. Therefore, you can take a smaller margin. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure if I had one of the full service agencies here in front of me, they'd say, well, you know, we offer a rounded product from beginning to end. And actually, you do need a creative director and you do need... Um, people with uh, brand and design experience to actually create the ad. It's it's one thing booking it, but it's another thing creating it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. And and agencies do provide a service. They do help clients walk through the quagmire. But what has happened, particularly in the last two or three years, is a, a new surge. It's called in-housing, whereas a lot of clients, to save that margin, are going direct. So if a client wants radio spots on a radio station like FM 104 or 98 FM, it's a straightforward, simple buy. If they want the experience and expertise, we also provide that as well. Um, and we provide it for free. So we, cre- we can create the ads if a client wants it. But most of the time, certainly 80% of the bookings that come through, Kieran, clients already have a, a, a radio commercial or a press ad uh, that, they have, that they've done already. And in, in the traditional market, you tend to have most advertisers would have a creative agency who do who make the ads and a media agency, and we're sitting on top of that media agency bit. But we will do, and we do uh, every day, um, all the bits that that are needed too. So they do handhold, and they do uh, for large advertisers. They do help them through it. But in effect, the the change is coming because. On the client side, I have to say to you, they're, they're, they're pretty educated now. Most of them could work in agencies themselves. Uh, they know their way around. They know their business better than anybody ever could. Um, and they simply want to buy media direct. Um, and by allowing them to do that on a platform uh, helps them to, to stay in control of it and not, to, and not to. But we're not fighting with agencies. I mean, I'm an agency man since the 1920s. Um, so... In that regard, we're not necessarily fighting with agencies. We're just picking up the business that's there 
that the, for the clients that want to do it that way. Yeah, just for the benefit of our listeners, I'm not talking to a 100-year-old man. Um, you're speaking metaphorically there. But anyway, we'll come back to that in a few moments. I'm doing it a long time. Um, now, anyone who books through Aer Lingus and Ryanair knows that you can also pay through the nose for flights at peak times. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, during the summer, if you want to get a flight to France or Italy or something like that, Ryanair is well capable of charging you, but you might get a cheap flight uh, off peak. Is it going to work the same with Admatic? Uh, absolutely. So you, you, once you get into that, once you think of media buying spots as a commodity, and once you, and that's what it is. Um, our TV airtime is a commodity. Once you can do that by by allowing people to book early, you can guarantee prices. So if you book it at today's price uh, online for say September, it's guaranteed. So if prices increase in the interim, the media owner will stand over that price. So. In effect, it allows you to do things like that. It allows you to do flash sales. It allows you to do to take a, a further hit on your margin, reduce prices further on a Friday at four o'clock if you decide to do that. So, but media has become more of a commodity. It's it's very much like travel. It's very much like insurance. And remember, in the olden days, they used to say that you know you couldn't go on a holiday without talking to a travel agent and getting their expertise and advice, or you couldn't buy insurance without talking to an insurance broker. But, but advertising is, is no different to that and should be treated no different to that. So it, it's exactly the same digital transformation that has happened uh, before, Kieran. Nothing new, except it's a new, it's a new way of doing it. But, but the, the, the principle of digital transformation is transforming everything around us. Every single thing has been transformed, including print. So how many media platforms have you signed up? Because the success of this, I guess, is based around um, your clients being able to book ads with as many platforms as possible. So how many have you got in your books? Pretty much everybody, but we do it in a different way. What happens is there's a wholesale market. So we go into the wholesale market and buy TV, uh, whether it's Virgin or RTE or radio or press for all the national titles and some local titles, uh, all national radio, some local radio, all outdoor, I think, is there. Sponsorship is there. Um, digital, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, and we're doing a lot of TikTok at the moment. Um, so that's all there. So we go into the wholesale market and we buy them at wholesale prices because there's already a market there for, uh, for, for media. And say it's become more of a commodity, Kieran, than it was in the past. Um, and look, an advertiser, why would you pay more for the same spot in the same day in the same newspaper? Why would you do that? So you, for advertisers, they want to save money. And if you can save 20% and you're spending a million quid, it's a saving of 200 grand a year. So it's substantial enough to be able to, to want to make that saving. So what's to stop the big advertising agencies from doing exa- exactly the same Nothing. thing and putting you guys out of the picture? Uh, nothing, but they'd have to reduce their margins. So that's the problem that they have. So by going direct, in other words, to compete on price now and to compete on the media price, they'll have to go direct. So they will lose, they're, they're bastardizing their own revenue um, because they already have uh, large clients paying, paying fees, uh, paying them a bigger margin on media. And so by opening a platform means they'd have to, they'd have to reduce that. So, but, I, but I mean, the belief is, um, and the and the insider information is that there's more coming. Um, we know of two that are in the offing, so uh, we'll see how that happens. But it will be the new, I think, the new uh, stamping ground and the new fighting ground, uh, both for media owners. It does allow media owners too to be able to sell twenty four seven. So when you're closed, when the Irish Times is nine to nine to five to book an ad Monday to Friday, they they're very happy to take about twenty percent of the business comes in out of ours. So they're happy to take that business on a Saturday or a Sunday or, or, or the bank holiday at Easter, which we did quite well during, um, uh, during those times when they're, when they're not open. So it allows them to do that. But there's no question, I think, you know, the Irish Times 
and RTE and everybody else will have self their own self op self serve platforms. It's simply a matter of time. And stopping this is kind of like standing on Dollyman Strand trying to push out the waves. To be perfectly honest with you, you know. So what's the longevity of Admatic? I mean, what's what's your USP? Faster, better, cheaper, uh, easier to buy, cheaper to buy. Real straightforward. So it's the easiness and the convenience of that and also allowing clients to stay in control of what they're doing uh, for those DIY clients that want to do that. And we also have agency clients that maybe want to buy separately um, a couple of spots here or some or some press ads. And remember as well, Kieran, with the advent of, of social, your, your Facebooks and your Instagrams and so on, a lot of clients set up little units in their own businesses to be able to to do their own digital. Um, and therefore, it's an easy leap of faith for them to be able to buy local press or local radio or national press or national radio. And that's where it's heading. So they're already doing it themselves. I mean, Google and Facebook take out about 50% of the market. Um, and most of that is direct. Some of it's through agencies, but a lot of it's direct. Um, and therefore, clients have already got the infrastructure to be able to, to, to buy advertising and do it themselves. And as I say, they're, they're fairly sophisticated. I mean, you know, they know what they're doing. Sure. Stuart, let's just give our listeners uh, some sort of uh, concept of how much it costs to take an ad with the Irish Times versus, you know, if you take an ad on Google or Facebook, what kind of money are we talking about? Well, basically, if you're talking about press, it's, it's sold on size. So you have what they call a, an SEC, which is a single column centimetre rate, so they, and that's discounted. So it's sold on size. So you're looking at uh, what they call rate card prices. So your rate card prices are, 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 are the, the, the kind of the benchmark. Um, and frankly, and honestly, nobody sells off rate cards. So we're looking at discounts at the moment running at about 55%. 55% of how much? What's, what's, what's the rate card? Let's say 30 grand for a full page. So if you're looking at a full page for 30 grand, you're talking about 55% off. Um, that's kind of where the market discount is at the moment. Now, that's obviously Ukraine, that's COVID, that's tough environment. It's all of those things. So you're looking at uh, a reasonable amount of discount, but also by buying it direct. Remember, the media owner doesn't have to pay us agency commission or, or what they call AVBs, which are media kickbacks, that kind of stuff. So we don't take any further margin. What you see is what you get. Um, so from the media owner's point of view, it's, it's fairly lucrative um, and straightforward and easy to do. So there's, there's, uh, there's a benefit in it from the media owner's perspective as well as, as, well as in ours because we are the conduit that allows that to happen. So, so it's more than a plug. I think maybe it's, it's something that's kind of radical. It's certainly something that's different, and I think it is something that will transform the market. And it's a belief, Kieran, maybe wrong, that this is the way advertising is going to change, and this is the future for it. And programmatic, which is the automation of of digital media buys, already exists. Um, and so it, it, it's, 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 changing, it's changing the way in which advertising is bought and sold, to be honest with you. It's a marketplace. That's what it is. Stuart, has this already happened in the US, uh, the UK, etc.? No, um, it hasn't. It has happened. It has happened in the US regarding television. So traditional TV, you can go on and buy a level of airtime, but only TV. Haven't seen it anywhere else for radio. Haven't seen it anywhere else for press. There's obviously some digital platforms, a lot of digital platforms where you can buy digital direct. And clearly, LinkedIn and Facebook and, and Twitter have their own self-op, self-serve platform. You log on to Twitter, you click and buy whatever you want to target, you pay the price, and that's it. Same with Google. So it already exists in digital, but I, we haven't seen it anywhere else, uh, and certainly not in the UK, uh, not in the US. And it's quite a large market. I mean, it's twenty-three billion pounds in the in the United Kingdom. It's a billion pounds here, two hundred and thirty-three billion in the United States. So it's it's a lot, and right across Europe. So we haven't seen 
the growth yet in self-op, self-serve. We haven't seen it. So you've seen it to a point on television, but only on television. And um, television is the most expensive medium. It's also the one, bizarrely, that's actually holding up during the recession, would you believe? Um, and, and it is. Uh, I mean, I think RT kind of October, November time, we're at 90% capacity. So that gives you a sense that television is, is very strong. And so a lot of people are chasing the television dollar, as they call it, because it's, it's, it's big volume and it's big money um, and it is holding up. But only in TV, Kieran, not, not for other media, no. So the Irish advertising market worth about a billion euro a year. Yeah. And how much of that are the likes of Google and Facebook sucking out? About 50%. Right, 500 million. Yeah, and, and I mean, that has come from nowhere, um, out of the blue. And largely, I'm going to tell you, because it's because of the easiness of buying. It's easy to go on and buy a Facebook ad. It's easy to go on and buy a Twitter ad. And the Irish Times should be no different. And with the greatest respect, the radio stations, the TV stations should be no different. If you make something easier to buy, you'll sell more of it. I mean, that has been the experience in music. It has been the experience in books. And now sell more books than ever they have before. They sell more uh, albums, more music is sold. And yet at the time... When, when things like iTunes came out, there were legal injunctions to stop it and all sorts of controversy. But when eventually the industry embraced it, they actually sell more, sold more. So if you can find, make it easier for people to buy, you will sell more. And that is the fundamental principle behind self-op, self-serve. Allow clients easier access. And it is bizarre in 2022 that I can't buy a press ad online or a, or a radio spot. I mean, that's frankly ludicrous. Um, and that's the media owners have let without criticising them too much, have let Facebook and Google go past them um, for that reason. And therefore, Google and Facebook taking out half, half uh, 50% of the market is in, ex- in, in itself extraordinary. So Admatic is a, is a leg up or a, or a way of trying to, to counteract that by making media purchase easier and quicker and faster. He says confidently, we'll see. <laughs> You asked me in a year. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, you said you're, you're on the go five months now. Um, so h- how are things looking at the minute? How many ads have you booked so far? Yeah, it was very well. The, the target for the first year is 1% of the market, which is 10 million quid. So if you, if you look at uh, January, February, we're kind of small, okay, bobbing around the bottom. March then showed huge surge. Uh, we were very happy with March. And then in April, we had Russia invading Ukraine. We had Brexit delays. People couldn't get their cars and their chickens uh, uh, into Ireland and a, a complete collapse in the supply chain. So we saw cancellations. Um, so And May, I have to be honest with you, doesn't look terribly bright. Now, we know we're only the 3rd of May or early May, but it doesn't look terribly bright. It's We'll we'll get our share, and the fact that we're there, we'll always get our share, and our ambitions are quite limited, say 1% of the market. Um, but that said, there is in the general business a kind of a malaise at the moment, um, and it's it's driven by the COVID crisis. It's driven by certainly the war in Ukraine, um, bizarrely maybe, has had a huge impact, I think, on, on people's mental health as well as everything else, and certainly attitudinally. Um, and then thirdly, you have the cost of living increase, you have the rise in interest rates, all of those things, and particularly the, the breakdown in the supply chain. That is causing, advertisers have a problem um, and that is causing them a problem. The other thing I'd say to you is from an advertising perspective, it's a great barometer for the economy because we're the first people to get switched on and we're the first people to get switched off. Um, and we're being switched off at the moment and that kind of gives you a long-term view that there's a malaise there, that there is a problem. Um, people aren't spending 
and they're not spending on the same level. In fact, they're cancelling. Um, and that kind of just gives you an indication that maybe things aren't aren't all as they should be. Now, the press releases say, if you talk to advertising people, they're out the door, best year they've ever had and everything else. And the next person I see who says that to me, I am going to hit him. Um, but in effect, there is a malaise out there. And I think it's it's driven by those three things. Um, and we're only kind of finding our feet getting back to work and all of that kind of stuff as well. So it's just the market is in a, is in a state of chassis. Um, and in a in a in a terribly disruptive state at the moment. So so it's okay, Kieran. It's I mean you know we're getting our share, but the, the the share is smaller now, and that's that's tricky at the minute. But we'll get there. With increasing pressures, Ireland CEOs are working hard to navigate the rapidly evolving business landscape. The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report takes a deeper dive into the topics that are on the minds of Irish CEOs at the moment, and importantly the issues that leaders should be paying attention to. Discover the key actions to consider as you seek to reshape the future of your organisation at ey.com ie CEO. Your history in the industry goes back 100 years, not you personally, but your dad was in the industry as well, Aubrey. Yeah. So I guess, I guess when you put it all together, you're, you're, that's, that's where you come up with the 100 years. To a lot of people... Their knowledge of advertising is Mad Men, is represented by Mad Men, which was a hugely successful uh, production. Great show, uh, Don Draper and all of that. Um, I just wonder whether the Irish, that was based in Manhattan, obviously, and they were hard drinking. They played the game hard. They were smoking cigarettes. There was a lot of carousing going on. I just wondered whether the Irish advertising industry in the 50s and 60s was akin to what, what we see in Mad Men. Uh, it is it is exactly the way it was. I mean, I grew up with my dad walking through the agency at lunchtime with a cigar in one hand and a glass of red wine in the other. Um, in every office, we had bars, uh, little pop-down uh, whiskey soda things. Uh, the ashtrays littered the place. Um, so it was very much, and they probably slept with all the wrong people and, and certainly drank too much um, and all of that stuff. Um, so it, it is very symbolic of that. And and largely, I suppose, post maybe the First World War, the Second World War, and, and certainly the, the, the crash, the Great Depression uh, in 1929, um, it was only in the 1950s that you saw uh, agencies emerging. They really hadn't existed before then. They had in a small way because they were acting as media brokers, largely because the only media was newspapers. So right through the 1800s and the 1900s, newspapers are the origin of the species. Um, but it was only when you saw the advent of colour TV, uh, although it started in 1928, as CBS didn't begin broadcasting until the 1940s. I remember my dad with a fellow called Peter Owens of now owns DDB being flown to Harvard University to try and understand television. Um, and he was flown over there for four days to try and learn about how that works. Um, so it was really the advent of, of TV in the 1950s that really brought that halcyon days of the Mad Men. Um, and it was, you know, shows in 1948, the London Olympics was broadcast on TV. In 1953, the uh, current Queen's actually coronation. Um, and the first commercial didn't appear till 1955. So the shows at that time were things like I Love Lucy, Roy Rogers, The Lone Ranger, infamously Hitchcock Presents, stuff like that. Um, so it's the growth of TV. Um, and, and ultimately, even though Marconi started in 1901, uh, you didn't really have the uh, use of, of Sony until the transistor radio, which was 1957. So you're only seeing the advent of media that then drives agencies 
Uh, and the agencies of that madman era kind of started 1935, Leo Burnett, Shiat Day in 1968, Publicis in France 1945, and JWT. Um, so you're only starting to see the era of Madison Avenue, which is where the name comes from. Mad Men is Madison Avenue. Um, and largely, the, the advertising industry was dominated by the United States and was dominated by Madison Avenue from the 1950s through to the 60s and through to the 70s. Um, so London had, had no real part um, in, in advertising as such. It's now the centre of the world for advertising, but it wasn't then. And it wasn't until the 1970s with an agency who I have to say I admire, I think it was the greatest agency of all time, which was Saatchi and Saatchi. Or they, were, they were ultimately known because they worked for the Conservative Party, Party and Margaret Thatcher as Thatchy and Thatchy. Um, but Saatchi's and Saatchi's were the first agency really to see that you could grow the business through acquisition. That hadn't been done before. Agencies traditionally pitch for business. They won some, they lost some, and they hopefully at the end of the year they got out on the positive side. But Saatchi started to acquire agencies. Um, and to do that, I suppose uh, they needed uh, new skills because the advertising people of that madman generation, Kieran, were people who couldn't read a balance sheet. I mean, they were creative people. Um, so they started to employ uh, financial guys um, and, bring in, and bring in financial people. And in fact, Saatchi's brought in a financial director who was known as the third brother, uh, a fellow called Martin Sorrell. Um, and Sorrell worked at Saatchi's. And he always said that it was his idea, not the Saatchi's brothers. There may be truth in that. But between 1972 and 1987, 15 years, they made 35 different acquisitions. Um, and particularly culminating, I suppose, in 1986 with the acquisition of Ted Bates. Ted Bates was a, a part of the fabric of, of Madison Avenue. So you got the British invasion into the United States in the, 19, in the 1970s and into the 1980s. And uh, particularly an agency called BBH, a fellow called John Hegarty, uh, who had actually worked in Saatchi, set up an agency and developed uh, in 1982 the Audi Vorsprung Dirk Technik campaign Followed it quickly, which was a, which was a, using a German line on, on British advertising, which in itself was was kind of revolutionary. And followed it up with uh, the Levi Jeans uh, Lawn Direct commercial, which you may know featured Nick Kamen, who only died two years ago. Uh, and it was the first time we ever saw Ray-Ban sunglasses and the first time we ever saw boxer shorts. So all of a sudden, the shift happened in around the mid 80s into London. Um, and London then became the centre. And then because Irish agencies were, were only 40 minutes away, uh, and acquisitions. The first Saatchi acquisition outside of London was actually an agency called OKBs, where my dad worked, uh, O'Kendi Brindley, down on Gardner Street, uh, which was fairly rough and ready at the time. Um, and that was the first acquisition outside of London. So because of that, we kind of inherited that new uh, impetus on the back of London becoming the uh, the centre. And at that time, most of the agencies were, were owned by creative agencies like Peter Owens, uh, McConnell's, started by Charlie McConnell, uh, Doherty Advertising, which was Donald Connell, Brian Cronin's, uh, obviously AFA. Um, so you had a number of, of local Irish agencies that were then being acquired and being sold to become sure. part of the famous holding company. So that's what happened. Stuart, what age were you when you got into the industry? Uh, one. I, I had it at the breakfast table because, because my alpha Used to, used to do layouts on the kitchen table and I used to have to step over them. So, and my mother was in the business. So the consequence of that was I grew up around it. But in effect, I went to a school called St. Columbus who did me thing in UCD and then disappeared. So I came in at about, uh, disappeared to the United States, in fact, and to London, uh, and then came into it at about 26, 27, something like that. So that's 20 years ago now, Kieran. 
mm, yeah. <laughs> thereabouts. So, so that's yeah, where it right. came in. Uh, and and at that time, I I got on the back of those coattails of that Madman generation, um, and it was really really like that. Uh, fantastic uh, time, did lots of great work being done, uh, full of creative people. Um, and only really on foot of that acquisition, that global spending spree in the 1980s, where in order for agencies to acquire other agencies and, and the Irish agencies were, were all sold up. I mean, they were all acquired by multinationals. Uh, multinationals went to the stock market to raise cash. And so now they became PLCs. And what yeah. we have is this infamous, uh, what they call the, the holding company. Um, I just looked at a list here in 1980. Only one of the top 10 agencies were holding companies. And by 1990, eight of the top 10 agencies were holding companies. So you had these huge conglomerates, vehicles that, that changed the culture of advertising and changed the culture of the agencies and ultimately decided to split the advertising businesses into uh, media independence or media. If they were independent, they were, they were not owned by the agency or media dependence and into creative agencies. So that split came in the, in the 1990s uh, where you had... You, where you had uh, Agency setting up media dependence. And that is the radical change in the way we are now. Uh, and apropos of the conversation we had about media and about Admatic. So if you, if you look at it, it's really the, the change in culture where we have global companies operating largely out of New York, London, and in some cases Paris, uh, running these small independently owned shops that they've now acquired. Uh, the creatives, the madmen exit stage left. They've got a few, Bob. They've sold their agency, which they never dreamt they could do because agencies were traditionally handed down through the family. Uh, and they were able to exit the business. And the consequence of that was the culture change. So now you had uh, new operating systems. The dreaded timesheet was introduced. The end of the long lunches, no longer acceptable to, the, to these grey, colourless men that now ran uh, advertising and frankly still do. Um, so there was, so there was, that was the big cultural shift and the big change in advertising happened through the 1990s. Um, and then it has gone on since then. So these, these are more concerned about the share price necessarily than the creative output. Yeah, let's just talk about your own career. Um, you were with AFA, obviously, uh, that, that was the family business. You merged with uh, O'Mara's uh, to become AFA O'Mara and then uh, later with McConnell's and then the crash came in 2008. Yeah. Um, McConnell's, uh, McConnell's went bang, didn't it? Thank you for asking me that. Uh, so, so if you look at just so uh, 1990s AFA bottom of division four, 2005 there was an agency called Desimar and Partners, a highly well regarded, and Desimar himself, a man who spent his life in Jamaica doing advertising, uh, famous for Big Ed loves Mona. People may remember that. They may remember the Lions T minstrels. So we merged, and that was part of that. Uh, change that people were merging and looking to acquire and we merged in 2005 and became AFA O'Mara brought us from bottom of division four to maybe middle of division two um, and we went on like that we acquired some business Ulster Bank and Irish Rail and so on and so forth and we're happily able to grow the business doing about 22 million staff of 30 people 25 30 people something like that uh, and moved to new premises in James's place there was an agency called McConnell's. It was one of the very few agencies that were left standing um, and probably the most well-regarded agency in the history of Irish advertising. It started in 1916, a fellow called Charlie McConnell who said that three things happened. One, he had his first child. Secondly, he started his, his first agency. And thirdly, there was a little trouble in Sackville Street. So McConnell's were very much part of the fabric. I had been aware that 
the boys might, of which there was four, might be interested in 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 selling out. Uh, and we acquired McConnell's in two thousand and seven. Um, I think the, including balance sheet and all that, the total price was in this was circa thirty three, thirty four million. Um, so it was quite a lot of money. And then, as you said, we had the first crash, which we're now seeing again, my friend. Um, so we had 80, 88 million turnover. McConnell's and AFA Amara were the biggest agency by, by frankly, a country mile uh, at that level. So you had very quickly, having acquired the agency at that price, uh, some of it on an earnout, you had the crash that came. So the turnover dropped within a period of about 15 months from 88 million down to 60 without losing clients. Uh, what you're, the contraction that we're seeing in the market right now, exactly the same thing happened then. Uh, and from if you remember at the time, and we, our concerns was the liquidity of the banks, uh, not necessarily our own future, but in effect, that's what happened. And we were then subject to a um, hostile takeover, I suppose you'd call it, from a multinational agency, WPP, um, who went to the bank and said, look, we can, we can buy this agency and you can get some cash back which you badly need. Uh, they put it through what, what is termed a pre-packed receivership at three o'clock in the morning. They, they bought it at five past three in the morning. Um, I wasn't party to it. It was sold over my head. To this day, Kieran, I haven't seen the share or the sale purchase agreement. I don't know what was paid for it. I do on the QT, but I don't really know. Um, so that was, that was sold. And after a period of time, I was asked to to exit the business, um, which I did, I think within a period of about six months, uh, and went on from there. So that's what happened. It, it was basically part of that whole era, I suppose, or a hangover from that era. We had bought McConnell's. Uh, there was a crash, and the consequence of that it was it exposed us. Basically, you know, you don't appoint the receiver; the bank does, um, and that's what happened. So. In a yeah. way, a big blow and very hard to very hard to come back from that because you've lost everything. I mean, you've lost absolutely everything. On that point, Stuart, you also had a bit of a brush with the law, didn't you? Um, yeah. For taking loans out of the business uh, that exceeded, uh, that breached company law. And you got a suspended two-year jail sentence. There was a fine right. and there was uh, some uh, community service as well. Yeah, so that happened at the same time. So what happens there, it's, it's I mean, people should be aware of, of the Companies Act, but the Companies Act would fill... 10 homes, you know, it's not possible simply to be aware of everything. And there's a little known, in fact, we had a problem finding a barrister to be able to understand what this was about. Little known rule that you can't take out more than 10% of the assets of the company. That, in effect, is it. It's called a director's loan. And the problem with that is when you have a decrease in property valuations, that 10% is is very easily achievable. So you're absolutely right. But it was self-declared. So we had this problem that we discovered afterwards. Uh, Accountants said to me, look, we have this problem. We'll try and fix it. And I said, no, we'll go and report it. So it was self-reported. So in, in a sense of honesty, we reported that to the ODCE. At that time as well, Kieran, not just the acquisition of McConnell's, but Channel 4 had done a documentary about me and the agency. RTE had done a programme involving me and the agency. So I was in touch with, I think, weekly, most media and marketing journalists, haha, um, including Mr. Hancock at the time, I would think. Um, so I, I kind of had a reasonably high profile um, and the consequence of that was it generated greater publicity than it should really ever have. Um, so you, you, and basically you're suspended. When you pay a fine, if you're, if you're fined for a traffic violation and you don't pay the 40 quid, you get three years in prison, but you pay the 40 quid. And so you, we duly did. I forget what the fine was. Um, but in effect, that didn't help as well because it's reputational damage. Um, coming at a time of the crash frightens the horses, frightens the bank and all of that. So 
in a way that that allowed, but it was self-exposed um, that allowed. So again, that's hard to come back from. So you have all of those things going on. And I would be very empathetic and sympathetic to people who are going through that now because there is no question they are. Uh, I remember the Friday nights trying to get to Friday so that you could not worry about it for the weekend. Um, although I worked six days, but in effect, it, it, it's, it's a really, really, really tough time. And that crash then is very, very similar. Uh, and I can see the signs of it, uh, what we're going through now. It's very hard on families. It's very hard on people. Uh, you lose everything where, from your car to your house. Uh, you lose the inability to pay your VHI. You never knew what your VHI was until you start to actually worry about paying it. Um, so you go through all of that. And it's uh, no, it's, it's a long time ago for me. But in effect, it also manifests itself physically. I remember my legs. I, for some unearthly reason, I couldn't get my knees to interlock, to interlock with my legs. I don't know why that was. Um, but it also has a bearing in terms of people's mental health and people's well-being. And it, it's quite hard to recover from that. And it leads to things like bankruptcy. It leads to all of that loss. It leads to reputational damage. And I say, thankfully, it's a long time ago. But I, but I have huge understanding uh, as, to, as to how that happens. That was, what, 2008-9. Um, Ireland's a small market, yeah. Stuart. So, and you mentioned the reputational damage. How difficult was it for you to get yourself back on your feet and get up and running again? Uh, terribly, Karen. I spent some time, uh, you're absolutely right, and Ireland is a small market. And, and again, if you're kind of outward going or a bit gregarious, gregarious, you kind of know people. And so I remember going down to buy petrol and the fellow in the petrol station said, Jason, I'm sorry to hear about that, Stuart. And you kind of go, does everybody know? Um, and that makes it difficult. So it takes resilience. It's kind of like a divorce, I would think. Um, so it takes time to get through that and to work it out in your head. But you have to get going. You have to you have to get back on the horse. And that's the lesson. You you know, put one foot in front of the other. Get up in the morning, get yourself shard, get going again, get out again, start meeting people, get over it, deal with it. Yesterday's news, move on. Um, and it is a difficult thing to do. And it does take an element of mindset and it does take people around you to bring you for a pint and put their arms around you and all that stuff um, to get going. But it's it's you've got to do it and you've got to keep going. And the mantra here is keep going the whole time. Keep going. So you try and resurrect yourself as best you can. You get back into advertising. Uh, I worked for a smaller agency looking after Irish Rail, for example, Wrigley's and so on. Uh, and was able to get back into it. We started a video digital agency called Streamboat. And, and now we have Admatic. So it, you've got to be able to do that. And it does take. Uh, a lot. And when you talk about it, even it sends shivers back down your spine um, and puts the hairs back up on your neck. So it's quite tricky and quite difficult, but you, you've got to overcome that hard and all as it is. Uh, and I, I often find myself, Kieran, in a, in a situation that people would phone me, and especially these days, and say, look, what, you know, can you explain this to me? What's a receiver? What's a, you know, and they want to know what happens and how all of that happens. And you find yourself doing counselling um, because of your experience. Uh, more than anything else. But anyway, you're happy to help. And I'm done. listen, um, always, if anybody ever should ever want to talk to me about that or want to phone me about it, absolutely, 110%. So I'm very happy to do that because people need to understand what it's like, you know, and it's difficult. Sure. Stuart, I think you're knocking around uh, 60 now. Am I right? 60 years of age. How dare you? I am late 50s, Kieran. I'm just thinking uh, in, in terms of... Uh, 
in terms of retirement. Is Admatic something that you see taking you, taking you into retirement or have you other projects on the go? No, I don't ever see myself not working, uh, Kieran. to be honest with you. Um, it's a business I love. It's a business I do. It's all I can do. Uh, I, you know, if I could, if I could do something else, I'd probably think about it. But this is an, in effect, this is, this is my life. This has been my life since, since early days. Uh, I will stay with it. I, I think you'll be dragging me out. Please God at 97 years of age. Um, because I don't ever see myself working. And frankly, I can't afford to. I mean, that's the other side of it too. Remember in, in, in the McConnell situation, you lose your pension, you lose all of that stuff. So you have to rebuild. Um, but in effect, you know, you've, I, I just, I think if I stopped working, I'd, I'd fall over, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's something that I like doing. Um, and with a bit of experience and a little bit of wisdom, probably seen all the problems before, probably dealt with them all before. So clients, thankfully, uh, are glad of that that little bit of experience. So you you try and be balance the the, the grey sure. hairs with the with the young smart people, um, and try and get that that energy going again, and get that dynamism going again, and get get that momentum. So uh, no is the answer. That I don't have any plans to quit. Don't have any plans to stop. Uh, I will uh, keep going until God calls me to His right hand side. Right. Before you say it. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Stuart Fogarty, we'll leave it there. Good luck with Admatic and we might get you back on the podcast in the future uh, to see how it's going. Stuart Fogarty, thank you for joining Inside Business. Much obliged to you, Kieran. Thank you very much. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Stuart Fogarty for joining me on the show. This episode was produced by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor, EY, for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today. Email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.